Hello, I'm Jim and this is On The Left Side, your weekly dose of football funny. Newspaper The Sun has outdone itself this week, not just by being banned by Liverpool from attending games or press conferences, but with another amazing piece of Pulitzer Prize-winning journalism. Following up from such great articles as Sergio Aguero goes to the butcher and Raheem Sterling goes to Poundland, they were both actual stories in the paper by the way, the reddest of Red Top's latest scoop is... Gabriel Jesus takes a taxi. Manchester City's new superstar South American was slammed by the rag for taking a taxi just 600 metres to avoid a traditional Mancunian downpour. Ah, these modern footballers with their affairs and their gambling and their taking a taxi because it's raining. Hang on. Why is he worried about a bit of rain anyway? I thought Jesus could walk on water. Mm. Don't worry, there is plenty more Jesus puns to last us the rest of the season, even if it is pronounced Jesus. So, what's coming up on this week's show? We wave about some Wenger out banners, get on a chopper with AC, and have a Chinese takeout with a professional coach. But first, some golden balls have lost some of their shine. The truth is, David Beckham is a bit dull. But all credit to him, despite the lack of any real identifiable personality, he's managed to become one of the richest and most famous footballers on the planet, all through having a bewildering amount of haircuts, marrying a pop star, wearing a skirt, and having a bit of a bendy kick. Don't get me wrong, I like the man. It's almost as if his dullness is deliberate. He must have seen some things, he must have tales to tell, but when he appeared on Desert Island Discs recently, where quite often a revelationary tale or two is told, the most exciting story was about when he and Victoria Beckham first met. I picked her up and we used to sit in a Harvester car park and we used to just kind of, you know, kiss, of course. That's how we used to spend our time. What's that? A harvester of spit-roast chicken fame? Actually, that's quite a nice story. If not for it just being a story about a footballer, a rendezvous in a car park and a spit-roast that didn't end in a tabloid expose or a court case. But this week has not been a great week for Brand Beckham, after it was rocked by a leaked email scandal dubbed Becky Leaks, or as I'm choosing to call it, David Beckspam. I have to say, because of this dull, impenetrable front that's put on by Bex, I found the idea of leaked personal emails quite exciting. Here's what happened. A bunch of hackers broke into the Beckham's super secure email server, stole his private correspondence and threatened to publish the emails unless David and Victoria gave them a ton of cash. They didn't, and so the emails were released into the world. However, as far as computer-based shockers go, it's certainly down the lower end of the scale. No evidence of illegal activity here. No candid, fappening snaps of golden balls is golden balls. No, what these dark, shadowy email hackers have unveiled is, David Beckham is a little bit whingy and a little bit insecure. The general theme of these stolen messages seems to be the Beckham's desire to bag himself a knighthood because of his apparently thankless charity work. In one email, David called the Honours Committee a bunch of unappreciative c**ts. Unless it's a knighthood, they can f*** off. He also had a pop at fellow OBE holder Catherine Jenkins by saying, Catherine Jenkins gets an OBE for what? Singing at the rugby and gonna see the troops? F***ing joke. Which is just bloody hilarious. Apparently 18 million emails were stolen in all, so if that's the dirtiest dirt that you can come up with, well, 
Beckham's laughing really, isn't he? Even after you've deleted all the penis enlargement offers and LinkedIn message request notifications. You have a new LinkedIn connection request from Phil Neville. Nah, just f*** off, will ya? But the rumours in the press are that the main reason Bex hasn't been given the old sword-on-the-shoulder treatment is his tax affairs. He's been red-flagged by the palace, which ironically sounds like the kind of sexual act you'd need to perform in order to get a knighthood in the first place. <laughs> so I guess that's fair enough. You can't go giving knighthoods to people who have dodgy tax skeletons in their closet, can you? You need to leave the honours for upstanding members of society. People who have squeaky clean records in all departments of life. I mean, Ken Dodd would never have got his sirism if he had a dodgy HMRC return. George W. Bush would have never been given his honorary honour if he was responsible for the death of thousands of innocent servicemen in a false war, would he? And Sir Jimmy... That's enough, Jim. We get the idea. All right. Well, what I guess I'm trying to say is let's not hang Bex out to dry on this one. I've no idea why he wants a knighthood, but he clearly does. So what if he's given hours of his time and stacks of his money to the good cause just so he gets the gong? At least he has given hours of his time and stacks of his money to a good cause. I occasionally give 20p to the charity Chuggers on Market Street in the town centre. And I feel pretty good about myself. Mind you, I'm not asking for a hand job off the Queen for the efforts. We all like to take a swipe at people in the public eye who've done well now and again. And sometimes they deserve it. Even Beckham. But this time around, kicking Bex in the same way he kicked Diego Simeone back in 1998 seems a little mean. If Beckham really wants a nice shiny knighthood, then let's just bloody give it to him. He deserves it for the Catherine Jenkins comment alone. And that goal against Greece as well. Or give it to him purely because I now will be answering every single email I receive with, unless it's a knighthood, f*** off. Arise Sir Beckham. Top work mate. We only just seem to have had round one of the manager sacking game pre-transfer window and now it looks like already, post-transfer window, we're warming up for round two with a whole load of top flight bosses locking their office doors and refusing to answer their phones to club chairman just in case. If Arsenal fans had their way, first out the door would be Arsene Wenger as Wenger out banners get waved with the same annual predictability as their January form claps and their eventual fourth place finish. There have been growing calls for the Frenchman to stand down as Gunner's boss as he refuses, once again, to take up the North London club's God-given right to win the Premier League trophy. What do you mean other teams are better and have better players? That's not fair! It even resulted in arguably the most polite banner I think I've ever seen at a football match during last week's game against Chelsea. It simply read, Enough is enough! It's time to go! Two things occurred to me when I saw that. One, it was very nicely produced. It wasn't just scrawled on a bit of paper. So it means the fan in question had decided he was going to take that banner to the game, whatever the result. Which is just a bit strange, isn't it? T-shirt, match ticket, got that. Uh, wallet, lovely. Preemptive protest banner calling for the managers to be sacked in case of a loss. Check. Let's go. Secondly, it's probably the nicest ever banner produced in football. No, f*** off you c***t, no, Wenger out. It couldn't have been put more gently if he'd nipped round Arsene's house after the game with a bunch of flowers and a box of chocolates. B*****. 
But this softly, softly approach wasn't going to impress Gary Neville, who did not hold back when he spotted the banner during the commentary on Sky Sports. That got a few fans' backs up. They accused Genev of saying fans weren't allowed to have their say. A fire which was only fanned when the next day he went back on Sky Sports and said this. I, I walked out the Chelsea ground yesterday and there was a couple of these Arsenal fan TV camera things everywhere. And to be honest, it was embarrassing. I mean, it's hardly North Korea-esque suppression of free speech, is it? But come on, Gary. I draw the line at calling my beloved Arsenal TV embarrassing. I mean, reasonable fans with well-thought-out debate. Is that embarrassing? Every fucking year, yeah? Same point of the season. What happens? We crumble. We're dead. It's done. Everything's done. What have we got now? Top four in the FA Cup or whoopee fucking do? Level-headed reaction and analysis of top-level football. Is that embarrassing? Arsene Wenger should do the right thing today and say, sorry, I'm past myself by a date. See you later. Give someone else an opportunity to put this club where it should be at the fucking top. Sensible, calm solutions to big club issues and problems is that embarrassing? I expect you, Wenger, to end your resignation in. I've had a enough. I think I've made my point. Apparently there's a new contract on the table for Arsene if he wants it, so the likelihood of his departure before the end of the season is slim at best. Which probably isn't the case at Leicester City. Claudio Ranieri may have guided the Foxes to the most unlikely of Premier League victories under nine months ago, but now he seems to be edging closer and closer to the exit, like a man at a party who's just thrown up in a plant pot and wants to get out before anyone notices. This week, the shitstorm got a whole lot poopier, with the board giving the Italian the dreaded vote of confidence, which, as we know, in footballing terms, is code for please gather your personal belongings and be off the premises within the hour. The centre of the storm seems to be a player revolt who are upset by the Italians' trademark tinkering, and not just with the team, but with the canteen menu. Yeah, sure, players have been a little disgruntled by strange team selections, last-minute tactical changes, faltering form, and the risk of a 40% pay cut if relegated. But the straw that broke the camel's back was Claudio calling time on chicken burgers. Isn't this the same guy who gave players pizza and beer after matches during their championship winning season and now he's blaming poor form on a bit of breaded chicken in a bun? Draconian. No wonder the players are upset. Not only do they have to drag themselves out of their luxury beds to drive to work in the morning, from their 12 bedroom mansions in their top of the range supercars to get to work and be handsomely rewarded with massive pay packets, but when they get there, they're not even allowed a simple chicken burger. Well, muck who gives a fuck. Still, sometimes it's better the devil you know than the devil you don't. And what I actually mean is it's better the devil you know than Tim Sherwood. The gilet-wearing banter boss is currently without a management gig since successfully steering the good ship Aston Villa towards the relegation iceberg. He is, however, the director of football at Swindon Town, which meant he was the obvious, or is that completely random, choice for the football manager game to call up and invite him to join in a Twitter Q&A. Yes, the footballing fraternity is yet to learn the dangers of the Twitter Q&A. And as always, there were predictable results. Here are some of the highlights from the hashtag AskTim event. At SamMarlow95 asked, What happens when run around a bit and 442 
don't work. At Spurs go marching in one, needed some advice on scouting, so popped the question. When looking to recruit scouts, is there an option to source only proper football then? And at Bankrupt Spurs needed to know. All my players' fitness ratings only go to 100%. Any idea how I can get them to 110%? Well, at least he's keeping busy. I really don't want to send Leicester City fans into some kind of depression spiral with the thought of getting Tim Sherwood in charge, so let's finish on a positive. Their midweek victory over Derby County in the FA Cup. In particular, let's focus on the goal from Nigerian midfielder Wilfred Ndidi and Martin Tyler's superb piece of accompanying commentary. Morris. Ndidi! Oh! Yes, Ndidi! That, sir, is a beautiful pun. I wonder how long he's been waiting to say that. Does Martin Tyler have a list of potential scorers and clever puns and lines that he can pick from when they net? If so, I've got a few for you to add to the list, mate. How about... Diego Costa with the goal. Well worth the Costa of admission alone. Or... Will Arsenal score here? They do! It would have been Giroud not to... Or how about... Christian Benteke steps up for the penalty. He scores. Top corner. He had to Benteke his chance, and he did. Although you might be waiting quite a long time to use that last one. When we hear about people moving to China to pursue a footballing dream, that dream is usually to be able to swim around in a swimming pool full of cash and have enough money in your pocket to make even the likes of Set Blatter blush. But some moves to the Far East are for a far more genuine reason, like Matt Ward, and it all started for him with a game of FIFA. He's the coach at Shanghai Shengen, a Chinese League One team. Hey, Matt. Hey, good evening, Jim. So, uh, my contract was not renewed, so I'm now not there anymore. So, I'm, I'm just keeping my options open. I've just recently become a dad for the first time. I'll see if anything comes across my way in the, in the next couple of months. Well, I said it all started with a game of FIFA. Talk me through that moment. I mean, it, it sounds a bit like, oh, it's just another guy playing computer games again, wanting <laughs> to, to get in a big world of football. But previously, back in England, I had some disappointments uh, in football. I fell out of love with the game for a, a good few years. I was a PE teacher. Life was happy. I, I was happy doing what I was doing. But there was something missing in my career. So playing FIFA, a couple of gin and tonics, and I, I asked myself what I really, really wanted to do. And yeah, I decided I wanted to really push my football coaching career and get back into the game. Do you remember what teams you were playing in FIFA, by the way? Yeah, absolutely. I, I was Hull City. I, was, I put myself as a striker, even though in real life I was a <laughs> central defender. That's always the way, isn't it? <laughs> and I just stopped and I've, I said to myself, what are you doing? Why, why are you playing yourself as a character on the computer game? And, and that kind of aided to make the decision to start, start my career again. Well, I mean, I think winning anything with Hull City, albeit a computer game, is a pretty <laughs> good thing to have on your CV. That shows true skill. <laughs> so what did it go from there? Did you move to the Chinese League next? Is that what happened? The first day after the, the FIFA evening... I started contacting clubs around Taiwan and fortunate for me, one club picked me up and uh, we worked together for three years to take the club up in, in the world of Taiwanese football. And then after the three years, I went into the uh, Philippines Pro League for six months. And then that's when I got the call from uh, the gaffer, Gary White, uh, uh, China, and, and uh, he took me from the Philippines over to China then. But what's it been like for you, Matt, going over there? Because you're obviously 
an import, you're an Englishman who's gone into the game over there. How's it been fitting into the culture and fitting into the way the game's played as well? For sure, the game is, is a lot different because there's less foreigners there. In, in our team, we have three foreigners and the, the rest were Chinese. It, it's harsh. The environment's harsh. You, you're traveling away games on the plane for three to five hours sometimes. Wow. Uh, with regards to uh, the language barrier, we had a great translator and some of the lads knew a little bit of English as well. So we, we got on well with communication. That's incredible. I mean, you get pundits over here saying, can they do it on a cold night in Stoke? Can they do it oh, on a cold no, night in the, Him- no. in the Himalayas? <laughs> it's like a completely different scenario. <laughs> Massively. Yeah, wow. Or try going to Inner Mongolia, where it's like <laughs> its own little country and people are still riding horses with spears and everything. Oh, that, wow. That's proper Stoke City for you. On the language front, can you speak any of the local dialect? My wife's Taiwanese, so she speaks good English and Mandarin. My Mandarin is, is very basic, to say the least. Well, I want to put your language skills to the test and see if you can translate some essential English to Chinese football phrases. The first one is, have you seen Carlos Tevez? I think he's playing golf again. <laughs> OK, I can get the start. Carlos Tevez, na lima, na li. So that is, where is Carlos Tevez? That'll do. We can just assume he's playing <laughs> golf. That's where we'll be. Okay, the next one is... Excuse me, where would you like me to park your three helicopters, Mr Jackson Martinez? <laughs> no idea about that one, but they'll have to get used to it for sure. Yeah, all right. Well, yeah. Let's, try, let's try one more then. It's a bit of a personal one that I might need if I ever go to China. And it's, excuse me, Mr Multi-Millionaire Football Chairman... Do you have use for a slightly overweight 38-year-old right-back who's not run in a few years and whose career highlight was playing in the Leicester and Hinkley Sunday League Division 4? <laughs> no good. Again, that could take a, a couple of weeks to get the hang of, but I'm, I'm sure with a few tones you'll, you'll get that spot on. Matt Ward, thank you very much. And who knows, Arsene Wenger made the move from the Far East to English football, so maybe with all the trouble at Arsenal, you could be the next Arsenal manager, and we'll see you on the UK shores very soon. Jim, thank you for having me. And finally, it's no secret that Andy Carroll has suffered with a few injuries, but West Ham's very own budget Jesus-like is back in the team at West Ham and back in the goals, and maybe back in with an England call, if he can stay fit. So when the Daily Mail fancied an exclusive chat with Big Andy, who better to send than Jamie Redknapp? As between the pair of them, they've probably drained more money and resource from the NHS than Jeremy Hunt. Just. The highlight of this interview was Andy saying that he's not really into football and when he was in the helicopter travelling between Newcastle and Liverpool for his big money transfer, he had to Google Liverpool players to find out who they were. At first I thought... This is crazy. Googling players. How much can you learn from that? But then I tried it. I tried it with the current crop of Liverpool players using Google Autocomplete. So you type in their names followed by is and see what you get. For example, let's try Jurgen Klopp is. Top result is awesome. True that. Simon Mignolet is not good enough. Fair enough. James Milner is boring. No doubt. Let's do one more. And Daniel Sturridge is injured. Yep, definitely works. That's it for another episode of On The Left Side. Thanks for coming. Remember to search us out on Facebook. Just type On The Left Side into the search bar and there we are. You know the bit. It's the bit where you type in your ex-girlfriend's name so you can stalk her profile and look at her holiday snaps. Anyway, find us on Facebook. You'll find a whole load more football funny and you'll know exactly when 
we release a new episode so you'll never miss it that way. Right, I'm off to help David Beckham clear his inbox because that's full time. Bye! <coughs> On the left side is a Paint Your Headphones production for Abrupt Audio. Oh, whoopee fucking do.